What is up, guys? I am Michael Hunter. This is ACC Basketball Report, episode number 114. This is the March Madness preview episode. Brought in a really special guest for you guys tonight uh, from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Colby Dant joined us. Um, He has another podcast uh, called The College Experience as well. Um, Big time gambler. um, A a plethora of knowledge for for all things college sports. Uh, Just a great guy. Uh, You know, him and, and Ryan and Sean have one of my favorite shows. Um, the sports gambling podcast during football season is especially when I really get into their podcast a lot. And then, you know, Colby's a, you know, he's a straight lunatic as far as picking games. He picks every, every game in the country sometimes, um, on his podcast. So <clears throat> certainly give him a listen as well. Um, you know, we go through tonight, we talk about everything. We talked about snubs, we talked about how the bracket laid out, we talked about some disappointments with the committee, we talked about missed seedings, we gave our Final Four picks, we gave our upset picks, we gave our championship picks. Um, it was just a really fun show, I hope you guys really enjoy it. Um, don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast, um, jump on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, your favorite outlet, to leave us a comment, leave us five stars. We certainly appreciate any feedback, and that obviously helps us out with the metrics. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. I hope you guys enjoy. Here he is, Kobe Dent. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, a Kogi. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. I am Michael Hunter. I got a first time guest with you guys tonight. Colby Dant, the Dantabase from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, will be joining us tonight as we break down this bracket, uh, talk about all things March Madness. Um, I guess first and foremost, Colby, um, welcome back to March. How's it feel to finally have some March Madness after taking a year off? Oh, man. It's like reconnecting with a girl you really liked, and uh, you know she, she, you left her, you left her, and then you realized the grass wasn't greener on the other side. But we got it, baby! I'm excited. How about you guys? Man, I love it. Um, I know the chimp is ready to uh, to lay down some bets. What are you, uh, chimp? What are you feeling? Uh, you know, as far as emotionally having having the tournament back after taking 2020 off. Well, I think it's great. Um, as you said, I'm. Looking forward to the uh, gambling aspect of it more so than the bracket aspect of it because I'm not very good with the brackets, but uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Take it game by game. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Colby's part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, um, one of my favorite podcast networks out there. Um, SGP is one of my favorite podcasts, especially during football season. Um, I love the way they break it down. I think Kramer is absolutely hilarious. Um, for those of you know, for those people listening, Colby, I know you got some other things going. Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and what you guys are doing out there? Uh, yeah, me, me, and uh, Sean Green and Ryan Kramer started. Well, well, first off, Sean and Ryan started the sports gambling podcast. I was the third man in. I, I knew them uh, from from doing stand up. Uh, I've been doing stand up comedy for a long time, but. They also knew that I, or Sean knew that I was a uh, huge college football and college basketball guy. Um, like, so then I got involved there, and uh, from there it's been great, man. We've been covering, uh, you know, me and, and my my team. Uh, I am part of the host of the College Experience podcast. I'm also on the Sports Gambling podcast, but we do our own thing, the College Experience, where we uh, we talk Division One college football and college basketball year round, handicapping uh, every game, previewing 
win totals for every team year-round college basketball and college football. So, uh, uh, yeah, through that, uh, we've had great, some, some decent success, man, and I'm honored to be here tonight. So I appreciate you guys letting me uh, come in and uh, ransack your pod. <laughs> now, you guys are cr- – I mean, like, I have enough trouble just keeping up with the ACC, and there's only 15 teams in this conference. You guys do four-hour podcasts where you pick every game in the nation – uh, where do you find the time to, to do that and, and even the stamina that comes along with doing a three, four hour podcast? Oh man. I mean, I mean, well, first I'm going to reveal my cards on how much of, of a, a nerd I am, I guess, in the sports world, but me and my brother were doing that already right. without a microphone, without a microphone. We had spreadsheets going, picking every football game and basketball game and we would probably trade phone calls for like an hour talking you know i live in la he lives in raleigh and uh we would do that um but but really it's just we've always loved college football and college basketball and we, we've always loved gambling i mean I, I still you know like to, to dabble in the nfl and some of the pro sports but uh but for me specifically college football and college basketball i, I i've always loved it man and it's always been a passion of mine so Anything in my life, personally, whether it's stand-up or sports, I've chased whatever passion of mine uh, has been. So it's got me in a decent spot somehow. I thought for <laughs> for years, I thought I thought I'd be working at Fuddruckers. <laughs> I, I I don't really know what you do um, as, as a career, but um, I, I do follow you on Instagram and Twitter and. Whenever I see you post something, you're always like at the Grand Canyon or up in Big Sky or somewhere where it's not in L.A. And I always just wonder, like, what is that guy doing right? And can I be doing that? Because punching a clock from <laughs> 7 to 5 every day working construction just really doesn't do it for me. And I'd much rather be out just seeing the world like you do. Well, things were going great for me stand-up-wise until, a, a, until some, some guy, in, much like the March Madness. And apparently the story is someone had, ate a piece of some bat soup. And, uh, and and everything fell apart. So, uh, you know, things were going great prior to that. But then, you know, then I got paid to essentially just uh, just podcast. And I was lucky enough to be able to stay afloat. And, you know, in your downtime, I got a dog. You know, I might as well take the guy hiking. I don't know what else, sure. to, what, what else to do besides besides cover San Jose State against Central Michigan. I think I might maybe, – maybe I should also – you know, maybe get some exercise and be a part of this planet a little bit. <laughs> I love it. Um, let's uh, let's kind of dive into this tournament. Oh, actually, you know what? Before we do that, um, it was kind of an interesting day, uh, kind of a Black Monday in the coaching world. Uh, Dave Latow let go at DePaul. Archie Miller let go at Indiana. Uh, Richard Pitino let go at Minnesota, as well as a whole plethora of players entering the transfer portal. Um, anything that stuck out to you today? Um, what do you think Indiana's going to do as far as moving forward? You know, you're seeing Rick Pitino's name out there a lot. I don't think that necessarily happens. But any thoughts on, on Black Monday before we get into tournament talk? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I knew the Archie Miller thing was coming, but I am very curious to see where they go with that. I read an article saying that Scott Drew, and I, I personally think he'd be a fool to leave uh, what he has going in Baylor. But uh, I am very intrigued. I was actually a little surprised uh, Wojo kept his job at Marquette. I know his team was young, but if you look at his track record while he's been there, it hasn't been very very good. So I'm still expecting perhaps that to come. But um, I I guess I'm just really interested in that Indiana thing because, you know, it's it's weird. Indiana's kind of become a football school now, and I Mm -hmm. feel like – 
it's it's like Florida State is now a basketball school in a way. You're like, what? <laughs> uh, I mean, at what, at what point? How many coaches does it take? Whether it was Mike Davis who actually got them to a national championship, you know, and then how many coaches was it afterwards? You you saw, you know, Tom Crean or Sampson or you know, just a slew of coaches. So I'm starting to wonder. Now I will say that I think if Jackson Davis comes back, because I haven't seen him on the NBA draft radar, even though I would think he would be, um, that whoever, whoever, whatever coach comes in there is sitting with a nice deck of cards because I, I was convinced if you would have called me in January, I would have said, man, Indiana's a team that could really make a run to the final mm-hmm. four based on the, on the talent they have. So, uh, for, and another thing that's going to make college basketball so tricky this year, guys, I don't know if you've given it much thought because I know we're in March, is this year doesn't count on your eligibility. Right, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm so curious to see how that shakes out. Like, Because the NBA, yeah, you know, basketball is more of a worldwide sport than football, but only you know, two rounds of 60 players. Like, take a team like Loyola, Chicago, this year. They're... They start four of five seniors, yep. and they got another senior on the bench. So are, they, are those guys going to come back next year? Because none of them are on the NBA radar. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you know some of them could play in in uh, you know Bolivia or something. I don't know, but I'm saying like uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this shakes out because I think it's going to make college basketball incredibly deep next year. Yeah, you know, as a as a Georgia Tech fan, I'm sitting here looking at the G-Tech roster, and I got, you know, Alvarado, Moses Wright, Defensive Player of the Year, ACC Player of the Year. Then you got Jordan Usher and Bob Parham are all seniors. If this year doesn't count, and those guys all come back, maybe that's me being a little bit greedy, but with a kid like Debo Coleman coming in, who's one of the best shooters in the nation at the high school level, you know, Georgia Tech could be really, really good again next year. And, you know, I think Alvarado is probably gone. Um, he's got a little girl. He's probably... Probably going to try to make that money overseas, but um, you know, if, if Moses, who needs to, I think he needs to be able to stretch the floor a little bit better in order to play in the NBA. You know, Usher and Parham uh, may have pro careers overseas, but they also may enjoy the college life in Atlanta. So, you know, if we can bring back two or three of those four guys along with this nice recruiting class we get coming in, then Georgia Tech could be a force next year as well. <clears throat> yeah, and, and who's to say? I mean, Alvarado, you know. Uh... I know, yeah, you, the temptation of money, and I'm sure there's plenty of countries that would offer you a decent a decent paycheck. But I mean, if you're if you win a, a good stretch of games here there and really build up Georgia Tech, you know, you might want to come back just for what, what suffer for one more year a little bit financially, but at the same mm-hmm. time, have the time of your life. I was I remember when, uh, oh man, what was the was it was it. Uh, the, the, the shooter for UVA came out early, and he actually got drafted. Like I think the second to last pick of the draft was it? Uh, is it guy Kyle Guy? Kyle Guy, it? yeah. He, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. He left early, and I was baffled by that because I was like, you know, dude, you just won the championship. You're going to be a legend in Charlottesville forever, especially if you add in another mm-hmm. championship. You know, like, and and now I think he's playing basketball. Uh, you know, in, in in some G League or something in, in Northern California, which more power to the guy. I mean, it's his own decision, but I still thought in hindsight, I bet you he regrets that. Yeah, and if you think about it, he could be playing again, what, next year, right? So Yeah. <laughs> With the free year this year. Uh, Chimp, any thoughts on the happenings today? Did anything catch your eye or, or prove interesting to you? Well, I don't really... I mean, I, I pay attention, but the 
the coaching stuff, you know, whatever. If I'm Indiana, I just hire Dan Dockage to make the world explode. Jesus I think Christ. that would be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and now, but I tell you, the most important piece of information I've seen is, and I don't know if you guys have seen it because it broke a little while ago, is about the referees up in Indianapolis. Did you see that? I did not. Uh, Teddy Teddy Valentine, uh, Roger Ayers, John Higgins, they all show up in Indy at the hotel. Hotel's not ready, okay? So they all go out to dinner, six oh, no. of them. One of them, they come back, one of the refs test positive, they sent all six home. Wow. I mean, that's not really a bad thing, honestly. When you when you talk about Ayers, hopefully, and, hopefully Jamie Lucky was involved in that group and he's fucking well, gone and, home too. And maybe you don't go out together. I mean, just an idea. <laughs> just an idea, guys. All right, maybe maybe even double date if you have to. All right, but just don't go out as a collective. Yeah, and they they all went out together. Uh, they didn't have masks on, and they get back. One guy tested positive for the virus, so now evidently no we get no TV Teddy this year in the tournament. That's fine. That's fine. You know, it's funny we had Dino Gaudio on, and Dino um, kind of supported Teddy. You know, and, and and kind of shine some light on his persona, quote unquote. But it is what it is. I mean, the guy's more interested in promoting himself during a game than really calling the game, in my opinion. Michael, Michael, speaking of that, uh, if I am not mistaken, was Teddy doing the ACC championship game? Ah, uh, geez, I don't remember. And if I don't remember, then that's probably a no because it would have well, would have sent me into a rage at one point or the other. Well, here's here's my point. Is I think he did, and I did not hardly even notice him at all, mm-hmm. which is absolute, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Lucky because you you always notice uh, TV Teddy, but we will not be noticing TV Teddy in the tournament. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, if you don't notice him, then he probably wasn't there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he likes to get his. He likes to have an impact for sure. Um, getting into the bracket, I, you know, I, I guess. You know, Colby, overall thoughts on the bracket, the most difficult region, the weakest region. I think it's pretty obvious that the East is the weakest region, but but any thoughts overall as far as how the committee did? Well, I actually think I might argue one of those points. You said you think the East is the easiest? Yeah, the Michigan bracket I thought was probably the weakest. I thought the West was the easiest. But, but well, okay. You know, yeah, I can see that too. That, yep. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, I mean, look, I, it's this depth in college basketball that we're seeing with the get the way the sport has been changing over the past few years. Um, it not only makes it even harder to fill out a bracket, but it's I guess you could make a case for each one of these things. I mean, I, I thought the West was the easiest, and believe it or not, man, I actually had the East as the hardest as knowing who's coming out of there. Oh yeah, but yeah. I get your I get your point on maybe the easiest as to 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 not run into Gonzaga, Baylor, or Illinois, but um, I thought your your Yellow Jackets and and Loyola completely misseeded. Oh, we're gonna talk about that shit. You better believe it. I mean, I, 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 what's going on in the world? I, I, like they're supposed to be committed. They're actually supposed to to look blindly and decide who the better teams were based on resume. I don't understand how North Carolina is ahead of Georgia Tech, but I certainly don't understand how Clemson. Clemson, yep. Clemson. Did Clemson give somebody a bag of cash? Because <laughs> so I, I, there's I, a there's a theory out there, and that that conspiracy theory is that that Dan Radakovich, who is the AD at Clemson, has very strong ties to some committee members, and not only is he the Clemson AD, but he's the former Georgia Tech AD. 
He is the athletic director that convinced Paul Hewitt to turn down the St. John's uh, contract while Hewitt was running Georgia Tech into the ground and then ended up firing him the following year and paying his huge buyout. So Georgia Tech fans openly and willingly hate Dan Radakovich with a passion. And, you know, there's a conspiracy theory out there that, that Radakovich had, you know, some pull in that in that committee room. I mean, I, 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 I'm a believer in all of this because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like the Syracuse Georgia or the Syracuse uh, Michigan State angle. I just don't know how you come. Look, I try to take a neutral approach here. I can name teams that I personally hate, but I'm trying to look at it from the outside. And Michigan State is a team that's played, you know, beaten three top five teams, and then two one seeds, one two seeds currently, and 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 they're going to put Syracuse in a better spot where they don't have to, to play a play-in game. Uh, and Syracuse's best win is either Virginia Tech or North Carolina, whatever you deem that victory to be better. I think we go North, North Carolina because they just played. But mm-hmm. I And then they, they got swept by Pitt. I, I don't <laughs> understand the logic there. And the same, the same with Georgia Tech. And, I, and, I, and I'd be mad if I was a couple mid-majors. St. Bonaventure and Loyola. I don't understand. I just don't. Un- I don't get it. Even and another one I'll add in is Tennessee. Tennessee's a five. I don't get that. No. Yeah. You know, I, I posted on Twitter last night or during the show that Georgia Tech's the four seed in the ACC. They win the ACC tournament champions championship. You know, regardless of whether or not Virginia would have beat them or not, we'll never know. But that's that's the breaks in COVID world. The fact remains, they won the title and they had to beat Florida State to do it. And they're seated below Clemson in North Carolina. Like, what are you guys watching? How, I mean, they they won eight games to finish the entire season. What? How do you? Well, and, and, the, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you But like, like they beat North Carolina head to head. They went two, they went two and one against Florida State. North Carolina went one and two. I don't understand the logic. They just won your conference too. Oh, and whether that you want to blame them for that UVA game or not, that's that's not their fault. Right. right? That's not their fault. Uh, that that's a win, the same as you know what what happened with uh, the Kansas situation and the Duke situation. It's not their fault. This probably could happen again in the tournament, and and they should be rewarded because that's they've still had to go out and win two games. Chimp, any I, any I, thoughts I, on the bracket overall, Bob? Um, I really honestly do not see why y'all are surprised. I mean, they, they've done this, they've done this shit for years. They, it's every year they screw this shit up. Uh, I agree, uh, with all of the points you made. I look at Florida as a seven. Yeah. Listen, I watch them play and I watch Loyola play numerous times and Loyola is an eight. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on with the seating either, but I wasn't surprised by it because it's the same shit every year. What are, I guess before we get into some snubs, what are your thoughts on a team like Wichita State that you know doesn't really have an overly impressive resume, I guess to say the least? And you know you get a team like St. Louis, just just on the eye test. You know I'm not looking at their metrics or their resume or anything like that. But when I watch St. Louis play and then I watch Wichita State play, which granted has only been probably two or three times this season, I mean St. Louis looks like a tournament team on the court where Michigan uh, Wichita State. You know, not so much. Um, should the eye test play more of a part in this selection process, Kobe? 
Uh, I, I'm I'm against that personally okay. because uh, it, it opens up too much subjectivity mm-hmm. to it, which is already already we're seeing you know we're not happy with the stuff. But but I think Wichita State actually, man, you know I I think they did great. They had a good season considering <clears throat> what they were facing, and then also, I mean they they performed well in the games they they lost. Now short of the Cincinnati game that just happened, I think all their other losses somewhat legit they only lost to oklahoma state i think by three mm-hmm. they, they they played some good competition that I, I i think they deserve to be in i think they got it right with wichita in now st louis is one that I, they were my preseason favorite to win the a10 mine too and, and covid just hit them man they yeah. didn't have a good like yeah on paper i actually think they would have been a had they played a normal season because i still don't think they had chemistry figured out even at the end of the year i i think they could have been a very live dog in the tournament, but it's they lost to like LaSalle, man. They lost to some bad teams that I just, in my opinion, Wichita didn't have those horrible losses. They, they had they had a bad loss to Cincinnati, but out, losing to Cincinnati is not losing to LaSalle, in sure. my opinion. Um, you know, we see Dick Vitale jump on, and, and it's, it's tough to take Dickie V seriously sometimes because I think he allows his friendships to dictate what he's posting on Twitter a lot of the time, but... Um, Dickie V got on uh, Twitter today and advocated or or spoke up about Belmont not winning or not being included in the tournament um, as his as his biggest snub. Um, I would have probably gone with Memphis, I guess, as the biggest snub. But as I said yesterday on Sports 2.0, Memphis also didn't really do anything that jumped off the page to me that said these guys absolutely deserve to be in the tournament. So, eh, I'm not real, real, you know heavily I'm not really going to fight against Memphis being left out but Belmont winning whatever it was 25 26 games you know they should have won their conference tournament if they're that good and that's I think that's a prime example of why you need to play through the whistle as far as the season goes you can't leave it in the hands of the committee did you think Belmont was a snub or you know did you think Louisville was a snub or did they pretty much get it right as far as who they included they just kind of fucked it up as far as where they seeded them um, I, I, are you asking me this one or? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Okay, because I, I would say, uh, you know, I, I, I had mentioned last week on the show that I thought, on my own show, that I thought uh, Belmont should be in. Mm-hmm. And, and mainly, mainly my, my point is, especially in a COVID season like this, because letting other teams in that, like, take Louisville, like, I think Louisville's, it's unfortunate, same with Memphis, but they got hit with COVID pretty bad, both those yep. teams. Yep. And, and Belmont played 30 games, and they're 26 and four. And and to say, I almost wish they would make some type of guideline where to say like if you win 25 or 26 games, you know, well depending on on because this year I know because of COVID it was a shorter season than traditionally. But um, I almost feel like you should be in because man, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I actually think that conference was better than most think. Um, Moorhead State and Eastern Kentucky, I thought, could play. I yeah. thought all three of them could play. And uh, to, to have to go through those battles, and even the second tier of like Murray State and, and Jacksonville State, I thought it's a much better conference than people think. But uh, I, I, I still I, – like I would have personally put Belmont in over, you know, over a, a Syracuse, but I do think I would have put Syracuse in over Louisville. Mm-hmm. And Louisville just didn't, just didn't have enough with all those COVID games out, man. Where how are you supposed to judge these teams? And same, with, I mean, Memphis is a team that I think if they're in, 
they could go really far. But yeah, great defensively. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, we never got, and I feel bad for those players because we never got to see them. I felt like towards the end of the year they were playing their best ball that we've seen Memphis all year. But they kept having to do patchwork, and they would come back and then get hit with COVID, and then back into the. So it was really hard to get a gauge on them out the gates. They they really struggled. So I think based on that, I think you got to take the team that's played almost double their schedule. Yeah, you know what I mean. The only problem I have with with um, with Belmont is, you know, you pull up their you pull up their Ken Palm page, and I know it's not everything's not just based on Ken Palm. Obviously, it's a more of a predictive metric, but. They didn't play, let alone beat. They didn't play anybody within the Ken Palm top 128 all season long in those 30 games. And well, I guess no, nope, no, Queens was not ranked. So, <laughs> but 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 even that, in my opinion, can be jaded, man. Sure, and, sure. Like you put the Vanderbilt is in that top 130, and I get it. They have some recruits. They have Scotty Pippen's son, and they have the uh, the transfer Harvey from Notre Dame. But you can't tell me that Vanderbilt is, is better than, than Belmont. Like oh, I God, would no. bet that my, my whole bank account on, on, on Belmont to beat them, but they're qualified as a tier one team just by their associations of the sec. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I, I do think when you really get into that, it can get really jaded. Now I, at the same time, yes, they could have scheduled more aggressively out of conference, but I also think if there's ever a year to, right. to give everyone, anyone a pass on the out of conference thing, you're probably trying to limit your flights. You're mm-hmm. probably trying to limit how far you go away from your school. Yeah, you're trying to play so, regionally. Yeah, yeah. It, so I think it, it it made it even tougher from a scheduling point of view. I mean, some of these games we saw get scheduled. I mean, throughout the season, let alone it, it, a week before the season started. So right. I mean, this was a crazy scenario where I think you have to take that, you know, uh, under consideration when ranking these teams. Yeah, you know, I actually, uh, on yesterday's show, I spoke about Moorhead State as well as being kind of a sleeper uh, in that first round game against West Virginia. Um, Moorhead State can play. You know, that team won 23 games. They beat Belmont twice. So, you know, if you're looking at a situation where Derek Culver maybe gets in a little bit of foul trouble, um, you know, Moorhead State is a team that has played Kentucky. They played Richmond, Ohio State, Eastern Kentucky. They played Clemson. They beat Belmont twice. Moorhead State is a 14 seed that could be very strong. Now, they didn't beat any of those those Power 6 programs, but the fact that they played them and they're battle-tested, Moorhead State could absolutely jump up and, and give at least give West Virginia a game, I think. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 I like that angle too, man. I, I would suggest taking the dog on that. Um, we, We've already kind of talked about the, the, the ACC standings a little bit. I guess... What is what is a first round matchup that you're kind of most looking forward to that's that's going to be on your big screen, I guess, for for these first two days of the tournament? Well, uh, I think the obvious one, which uh, believe it or not, I'm not doing this because it's you. <laughs> Me and my brother were talking about this, and I thought Loyola Georgia Tech is such a good game, and it's a shame that uh, one has to lose because I think they got misseeded. But that's the one that jumped out. But another one that I would say I, that I find really interesting is that Colorado-Georgetown matchup. Yep. I think Colorado's been a team that was great in Boulder, but mm-hmm. when they step away, they've had their struggle. I mean, they lost to Cal, who's not good at all. No. And uh, Georgetown, kind of a team that, you know, last year, I don't know what happened. I felt like I felt like one of the players must have slept with uh, the guy's girlfriend or something because their whole team transferred out, right? And, and 
And then, you know, I was like, what's going on with Patrick Ewing? Did he, is he the guy who slept with the guy's girlfriend? I mean, because I, I don't understand it. But then this year, you know, it took a couple months for them to figure it out. But I saw this storm coming. I mean, I grew up in, in, in the D.C. area, so I really followed Georgetown decently well. And really, even when they were losing in February to Creighton and Nova, it was the way they were losing that you could see the team kind of becoming better. Like, they – you look at the box score and you say, well, Creighton beat him by double digits and Villanova beat him by double digits. But that was a tie game with three minutes left. And that was a back and forth game until those three minutes. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't surprised at all. I made a lot of money actually off Georgetown in the Big East tournament. But I think they're a potential live dog against Colorado because Colorado's not playing in Boulder. Yeah, I actually just probably about two hours ago just finished um, an article that, you know, I had to pick basically five upsets. And that was absolutely one of them. Georgetown against uh, basically the fighting McKinley Wrights because Georgetown's hit their stride in the last couple weeks. And, you know, Colorado, I love McKinley Wright, but he doesn't get a whole lot of help from anybody else on his roster. And you're talking about a team in in Colorado that's, like you said, they lost to Cal, but they also lost to Washington. They also lost to Utah. You know, they lost to Oregon State in the title game. Like, this team plays down to their opponents a whole lot. And if you play down to Georgetown right now and give them an opportunity, especially with, you know, Kudus Wahab is one of the most underrated big men in the country, I think. Um, Jamorko um, is, uh, I forget his last name now, but... Um, Pickett, Pickett. Pickett, yeah. And then Javon Blair are a legit big three. And then this kid, Dante Harris, this freshman point guard, is really coming into his own, really came into his own in the Big East tournament. So I absolutely like Georgetown as the 12 seed to upset a five. And I think that's the one you circle because... The thing that's scary for the Georgetown fan or, or, you know, anyone backing Georgetown is McKinley Wright is about, I I don't know that I've seen a better point guard in college basketball. I mean, I think Jose Alvarado comes to mind, but um, McKinley Wright's really, really good. So you have a a guy who's a senior going up against a freshman. Mm -hmm. That matchup is probably going to dictate that game. But I do think Georgetown's momentum, the fact Colorado's been bad away from home, and uh, I, I just think Georgetown's got a, the other pieces I like better yeah. than Colorado, except except the point guard spot, which is dangerous because I feel like March Madness uh, is, should really be called point guard madness because I feel like that is one of the key elements in, in a, a team going far. So it's scary, but I think Georgetown's going to win that game. I agree. Um, Chimp, what game are you looking at your bracket? What game are you looking forward to in the first round? Um, well, for me, as far as, you know, viewability, um, it would be Loyola Georgia Tech. Um, I saw that matchup and I was thinking, my God, cause you know, I've been on Loyola all year, mm-hmm. love that team and Tech is playing great. I think Tech is capable of beating a lot of people. Um, so that would be the, the, the game for me, but it really, you know, of course it just depends on what you want to watch. I mean, that game's going to be a rock fight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, low scoring, uh, possession by possession type game. Um, you know, if you want something, I tell you, another, one other one is uh, I think St. Bonaventure um, yeah, is going to is going to do is going to do something to LSU. Um, LSU is a team that can fool a lot of people because they're so athletic. Uh, they have some pros on that team, but. I've watched St. Bonaventure play, and they do all the things you need to do to beat, frustrate a team like LSU. So that's another one I'm going to have to keep. I'll have my eye on. 
Yeah, I agree on that. And one LSU, as well. LSU has been such a bad defensive team throughout the year. It's funny. I keep seeing these uh, people on TV pencil them in to give Michigan a game. I think you know not only was St. Bonaventure misseeded, I think they're already looking past them. And I think you, you don't want to do that. This Bonnie's team that, that I know you just mentioned and talked about, they got four scores that can light you up. And if you don't play good defense, good luck. Yeah. Well, well, and St. Bonaventure, I've watched them a couple of times. They play, they play both ends of the floor. They're very well coached. They play hard, and I'm telling you, they are. They do the things that frustrate LSU. They get up into you defensively. Uh, they run good offense, and you know LSU's the kind of team. You know they'll play defense for ten seconds, and then they'll just <laughs> you know give you what you want. And St. Bonaventure can take advantage of that. Yeah, St. Bonaventure, of course, coached by Mike Schmidt, who should be the coach that's coaching at Boston College next year, but Boston College decided to go a different way. We'll talk about that on a future podcast. Um, <clears throat> one game that I'm looking forward to, and I think this game actually dictates how far Baylor's going to go, and this may be me going out on a seriously thin limb, is North Carolina-Wisconsin, I think is a nice matchup in the 8-9. I think North Carolina has an opportunity to to give Baylor at least a solid run in the second round if they make it there, whereas Wisconsin, I think, has been kind of a poser all season long. I've been off the, the Badgers bandwagon since mid-January, basically. I think North Carolina should win that game, but you never know what's going to happen in March. I think North Carolina's front court could give Baylor some fits in the second round, but then you look at Baylor's backcourt, and you match them up against North Carolina's backcourt, and there's some serious question marks going on there. Um... I, I'm, I'm scared of Loyola Chicago, by the way. You know, we're talking about Georgia Tech, and I'm, I've been trying to stay away from it, but Cameron Crutwig playing against Moses Wright in the paint scares the shit out of me because Moses could have two fouls in the first 90 seconds of the game. They run a lot of offense through Crutwig. Um, you know, he's kind of that, that Ben Lammers-type post player from a few years ago where he kind of dictates the offense in that high post area. He's a fantastic passer who's got some offense as well. He's a big body. I think Moses is going to struggle with that a little bit. And Loyola is elite defensively. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm nervous about the Loyola-Georgia Tech uh, matchup for sure. <clears throat> um, I mean, that, what, what, I, what, that matchup is just – so great. I mean, I, I could touch on a lot of these points that you're talking about, but uh, I think the the thing that Loyola Chicago is probably going to do to counterbalance that is I think they're going to line up Aguak, their uh, their other big, uh, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation uh, the pronunciation of his name. I know he's from Africa, um, but uh, if you match him, there, I think he's going to get matched up so Crutwick doesn't get in foul trouble. He'll get ma- matched up with Wright. Mm. So. The interesting angle, I think, is really going to come down to the Clemens, the Clemens matchup with Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Clemens, uh, really good athlete, man. I mean, he's only—I know he only gets. You look at the stat sheet and say, "Oh, seven points a game." Well, this team doesn't average many points. He he can he can play. Uh, I, I'm 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 assuming it's going to be Clemens. It could be Kennedy, but uh, both of those guys are great on the ball defenders, and they're pretty good athletes. So I think that is the compelling matchup there. I mean, Alvarado, I think, is going to have some sort of success. But I, if they can just make him – lock him down defensively, make him shoot a lower percentage, and perhaps, you know, get in those passing lanes, make him have a few turnovers or so, if you're going for Loyola, I think that's your angle. I mean, this team – another thing is the experience factor. Mm-hmm. They have two guys that were on that Final Four team that yep. start for them. So uh, that's the scary angle. Like I said, you guys got 
you guys got a bad draw, man. I mean, I, I, I expect this game to be close, but I, I definitely, uh, I definitely think the, you know, for winning the ACC, you should have got a better, a better seed than playing Loyola. And, and another point about Loyola before we move on is watching that. Uh, one of the great things about the pandemic, there, there is very few of these, but one of the great things about the pandemic and no fans in the building is you can hear the players talking on the court more often than not. And when I was watching that Drake game, um, uh, Loyola Chicago's point guard, Braden Norris, can shoot the ever-loving shit out of the basketball. And every time um, they'd set ball screens and the Drake defender at least two, maybe three times would try to go under the screen, this Braden Norris kid would just drill triples. And there was somebody on the Loyola bench that I think on the last two that every time the kid went under the screen, somebody on the Loyola bench would just yell, you can't do that, and, and Norris would just drill a triple. So hopefully Tech learns something from that film and, and fights through those screens or at least hedges and pushes them out a little bit. But to give that kid open looks from the top of the three-point line at the top of the key is going to be a big-time mistake if Georgia Tech ends up giving him that shot. <clears throat> um, next thing I want to talk about, and I've got a couple in mind that we talked about last night on the show, is... Upset alert. I know we've kind of we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but if, if you had to put money down on on kind of a big time upset, where where would you put your money? Say on like a twelve through a sixteen, Kobe. I'm looking at UNC Greensboro with Isaiah Miller. I think could give Florida State some some fits. Um, I think Ohio versus Virginia is a pretty good matchup for the Bobcats. And uh, I, I'm really looking at this Colgate versus Arkansas game as as a potential um, we never saw it coming type upset. I feel like you're you're inside my brain. Here. Those are the three. Those are the three that I like most. Um, the one that stood out at first to me was the Colgate one. I mean, I really uh, am intrigued to watch this matchup. Their top three scorers are all guards, mm -hmm. but they uh, they played. They were all in the tournament against Tennessee the last time we had a tournament, and they almost beat Tennessee. It was a two fifteen matchup, and it came down to the final minute of the game. So getting that experience is key. And another thing is Arkansas is kind of a weird team to me. Like, I know they're 114 of 16, but I watched them, what, I think like maybe maybe 10 days ago, right before the uh, the season ended, struggle with an A&M an team. They got the win, but A&M's probably the worst team in that SEC. Mm -hmm. and, and another thing is I know they're really good. They're charting, I think, at 16 or 17 in uh, Ken Palm def uh, defense, Arkansas is. But I'm I'm curious to see the you know uh, Colgate runs that Princeton offense, so and they shoot an unbelievably high level from the three. If anything, I think uh, yeah, they, I mean these guys average eighty six points a game. That's second in the nation. These guys can score the ball, dude. They have I want to say they have like four guys or five guys that shoot in the forty percent from three. So I think two of them approaching. I think one guy's at like fifty one percent or something. I mean that's unbelievable. And and I what 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 makes the Princeton offense work essentially? You make your threes, you then your the players have to get yeah. You have to get out, defend them, and then those backdoor cuts start to become live. Mm -hmm. So I, I I think it you got to be disciplined. And will Arkansas have that discipline? I don't know. I mean I think that team is Arkansas's team is really deep, but I just wonder if they have that discipline. So I totally think Colgate is a potential live dog. And the UNC Greensboro one, you got to love because no one's talking about it. Right. Yeah. Isaiah Miller is, I mean, as impressive a player with short of uh, maybe Cade Cunningham, short of a select few 
that I can think of in the whole NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, so, we're talking about the three-time defensive player of the year, the two-time conference player of the year. So, I mean, he, he's got some serious talent. I, I, I think he's just, a, uh, I mean, I watched that SOCON tournament, and I watched them all year, but uh, he had really got an ability to make Florida State really, I, if I was Florida State, I wouldn't want, I, would, I didn't want that matchup. So, no. and Florida, Florida State's a team that has lost weird games or, you know, they, they, Wake Forest took them to overtime like two or three weeks ago. They lost to UCF earlier this year. They're a weird team, man. Like, I, I, like as much as I think their trajectory has been great over the past few years, this team is less athletic than teams in the past, mm-hmm. but they're better scoring. But I just have a hard time really uh, trusting them. Yeah, I mean, they, they blew a 12-point first-half lead against Carolina when Carolina really wasn't playing well. Uh, that was basically a 20-point turnaround as Carolina ended up winning the game by eight. So, you know, and then G-Tech takes them down in the ACC title game. There's something going on with Florida State. They just they haven't been the team that we kind of saw in, in, you know, early February where I was convinced they were the best team in the ACC for sure. Um, one team that I really like as well that I, I also think is underseeded, but it's also because they haven't played any games is, and nobody's talking about them, is Kramer's guys in Blacksburg. Like, Virginia Tech is a good team. They were the three seed in the ACC. Um, Tyrese Radford's back. Keve Aluma is a second team, all-conference performer. Um, if Jalen Cohn can get his stuff together and shoot the ball effectively like we know he's able to, you know, Virginia Tech could not only beat Florida but give Ohio State a game. I mean, this is a team that beat Villanova at full strength early in the season. They certainly have that capability to, to perform at a high level. Yeah. <clears throat> uh. I mean, I, 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 the the other gentleman want to speak on that, or is that is that yeah. to me too? Go ahead, Jim. Well, I, before you get to that, I, I wanted to, uh, I was going to throw my sleeper out there, sure. and I was going to talk about Arkansas for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Am I able? Am I? Can I do that? Absolutely. You're the SEC guy. You got it, man. Well, yeah, I, I'm telling you, I've watched Arkansas quite a bit this year, and I watched them against Auburn. They were down 19 on their own floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, with Colgate, it's, it's really interesting to me because you've seen them talked about with their net number all year. They've been so high. Yeah. And it's a question of do you believe that? Do you believe them that, that, that they're that good? So, listen, Arkansas is they're, – they're beatable. There's no question about it. So, that's a game that I'll be watching. But I wanted to throw my uh, 5-12 out there. Um, I think Santa Barbara's going to beat Creighton. Yeah, and yep. I, I think I think Creighton has some serious problems that go you know far beyond just the court. Um, I, I'm I could be way off on this, but I, I still think McDermott's got some issues there. And going into you know the NCAA tournament, Santa Barbara's going to be jacked. They had a hell of a year. Um, I'm not saying that Santa Barbara's going to go deep, but I do. I think Santa Barbara beats Creighton. Yeah, and, and Creighton's one of those teams that relies heavily on the perimeter jump shot. You know, their their big man is actually only about six seven. We're talking about Christian Bishop, um, but you know that team that team I, I compare that team to the Marquette teams of recent years where they rely very heavily on the perimeter shot. And if that shot's not falling, then they can be in big trouble. And you know, I guess as if we're talking about fives and twelves, you know, Villanova's playing without Colin Gillespie. Justin Moore's hurt. Winthrop is a team that went 23-1 and on the season, a team that knows how to win. They're very well coached in Pat Kelsey. That's another 12 seed that could jump up and beat Villanova, who's lost two consecutive games um, since Gillespie you know, injured his MCL. So that's a game to keep an eye on as well. 
Um, let's see. Colby, what do you think? I, I guess we'll just go down through. Um, I guess give your final four picks, give your championship picks, and then we're going to go ahead and throw you in the bonus and uh, and kind of wrap it up. So who do you got coming out of each region right now? Uh, in the West, I, dude, the, I mean, I thought the West was so weak. I actually have Gonzaga. I, if you'd asked me a month ago, I thought Gonzaga was going to be the one seed that would lose first. I really thought that because wow. I watched Pacific. I watched Pacific test them a couple times mm-hmm. out here on the on the West, and I said, "Man, if they're str- I know they they got those wins, and I would even say the the box score looks prettier than the game was." But uh, this bracket, I don't. I'm not a believer in Iowa. I actually have them playing Oregon in the Elite Eight. Okay, and I. I actually think Oregon, you, if, if for a value play to the, any gamblers out there, I think there, it makes sense because I think Oregon can get there, pretty, pretty easily. Um, I, I know that sounds crazy because they just lost to Oregon State, but I actually like <laughs> some of my s- some of my teams that uh, that lose in the conference championships to uh, to have a good to have a good March Madness essentially or a good uh, you know NCAA tournament. But uh, so I'm going to go Gonzaga in the West. I'm going to go chalk. Going to go against with what I was saying all year in the East. I, I'm a, I'm taking a shot on UConn. I think Ooh. one of the one of the matchups that Alabama is going to dread mm-hmm. is playing UConn in the second round. Now, granted, UConn has to get there, and I think Maryland could actually give them a game. But after that, I like what I see on UConn's chances. Texas is a team that I was bullish on in January, but the problem is, is Texas, they have, first off, they won the Big 12 tournament, which, yeah, I think, okay, that's great, but that they're always due for, like, a bad shooting game. Yep. And when they shoot bad, they, they can't make up for that. And I, I just feel like the winner of that Alabama-UConn game is going to come out of the East. Obviously, with, with, uh, with Livers out for Michigan, everything else has changed for me there. I was kind of bullish on Michigan. I was, too. Um, yep. So, so I, I think the winner of that UConn Alabama game comes out of the East. I'm taking UConn in an upset. In the South, I'm I'm actually going to go chalk because everyone seems to be fading Baylor. I still like Baylor. I still think, yeah, they got some, you know, the COVID hit them and they're not back to where they were. But I think they're, uh, you know, just a a, a veteran team that I wouldn't want to face. Sure. And then in the Midwest, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a shot out on uh, on West Virginia. I think West Virginia is gonna be that team. Look, everyone thinking the Illini. I think the Illini got dealt a bad hand. They're gonna have to play. I told you this before with Loyola and Georgia Tech. I I, w- I think that's a dangerous matchup for them. And then they have Oklahoma Oklahoma State, which by the way, another another team that got completely misseeded. Um, and I, I really think it's gonna come down to Oklahoma State. West Virginia and Illinois on this side of the things, which isn't, you know, it's not saying much, but I'm saying uh, I think West Virginia playing a team for the fourth time they've lost the past two to Oklahoma State. If they were, if Oklahoma State can knock off Illinois, which I think they could, um, I, I, I just think it's a kind of, I like the south part of the Midwest. I, I, I think Houston's beatable. Mm-hmm. I think West Virginia can take them down. I think San Diego State struggles to score too much this year. It's a shame. They didn't have uh, the team they had from last year with Malachi Flynn, so I, I like West Virginia's chances in that in that southern part of the se- of the Midwest. And then I'm ho- I'm betting on I'm hoping that they get a uh, actually I'm kind of hoping that they get Baylor. I mean not Baylor but the uh, Oklahoma State because I think that revenge spot 
after losing the past two to them, mm-hmm. uh, could get them in. So I know I I, I just feel like it's not going to be it's not going to be three number ones or four number ones this year. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just we were talking again on last night's show about West Virginia and Oklahoma State being in that same region when Oklahoma State's beat them twice in the past week. Um, you got to wonder if that's maybe some bulletin board material for Oklahoma State. And I, I really like your confidence in West Virginia. For those of you who who haven't really paid attention, West Virginia is the only team this season that Gonzaga didn't beat by double digits. They're the only team that they were able to, and they actually not only able to hang with Gonzaga, but they were beating Gonzaga for for a good large part of that game. So, um, you know, West Virginia certainly has that high end capability. I just worry about them. It was I don't know if it's remaining focused or just consistency, but. You know, they, they shouldn't be losing to this Florida team. Um, they shouldn't be losing really to Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma, I think, was kind of hot when, the, when they ended up beating them. But um, West Virginia kind of scares me. But at the same time, when you look at their team, Miles um, McBride, Derek Culver, two of the better players at their position in the entire country. Chimp, looking at your bracket, I know you said you probably you haven't really filled one out yet, but um, who are your Final Four uh, early on in the process? Well, I'm not even. I'm not even in the process. I haven't even <laughs> filled it one out now. You just like the. He's at, just wagering on the games, man. You don't even fill the bracket out. Do yeah, you? I mean, I, I can. I've looked at the uh, the lines, and that will really dictate probably how I fill out a bracket. Um, I don't know if I had to rattle off four. I'd probably. I just have to go. Even though I, I've I've been a big fan of Iowa all year. I, I, I think Gonzaga comes out of the West. Um, as far as the East, I'm not big on Michigan. Um, ah, hell, well, UConn, why not? I'll just go with Colby on this one. I'll go with the top. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Illinois either. Uh, I don't know who's coming out of there, but I don't think it's going to be Illinois. That's all I'll say on the Midwest. And on the um, in the South, Jeez. Um, I, I don't really like many teams in that bracket either. I'm not an Ohio State fan, not a Baylor fan. Um, I don't know. I'm going X on the South, too, so there's my final four. <laughs> COVID. Now, COVID wait. Yeah, if you ask me, you know, who I like in a certain game based on the spread, I can give you an answer, but – I, I'm gonna. I'll end up filling out a bracket, and it will suck immensely. So <laughs> I, I don't really have a final four right you, now. You, you, you know who's kind of dangerous in the South is Purdue. Oh, love love Matt Painter, big Matt Painter. Fan. Love Matt Painter. Don't love really this Purdue team. I I just I I've watched them play a few times in the last few weeks, and I'm just not sold. Like I'm just waiting. I like Trevion Williams, but. It's just, I, it's it's unlike Purdue teams in the past. Of course, they they don't have Carson Edwards anymore, so that's kind of a big part of it. But I'm just I'm un, un, unimpressed, other than the fact that they win games. I guess I mean, I don't know. But that, that Painter's kind of like Tony Bennett Jr. to me because like they win games they shouldn't. They swept Ohio State in the regular season, and mm-hmm. like uh, they really shouldn't have won those games, but they won those games. I don't I don't know how else to say it. Besides, it's like Tony Bennett ish to me. <laughs> I agree. And like I said, I can't even justify 
why I can't get behind this Purdue team. I just feel like the second that I give in and say, okay, I'm, I'm in on Purdue, they just, they're going to go right into the shitter. So, I, well, look at, look at, Michael, look at their draw. I mean, yeah. North Tech, North Texas doesn't scare anybody. Uh, then you get the winner of uh, a wounded Villanova or Winthrop. And Win- Winthrop's going to win that game. One just so. Okay, so. You, you, you get, you, Purdue gets North Texas and Winford, and they're in the Sweet 16. And in a 40-minute game against anybody, I'll take my chances with Matt Painter. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah, and that, uh, that's what I'm saying. And, and, and if they were to somehow beat Baylor, or if somebody else beats Baylor, I'm saying we know they've beaten Ohio State twice. Uh, so if, if Ohio State was to come through the bottom like they're supposed to, you gotta like your chances if you're a Boilermaker fan. I guess the real question is the Baylor game, and it. Well, I mean, yeah, I get it. Purdue's been an inconsistent team, but I, I, I kind of like that matchup as far as it's just, it's just what they would want. I think to slow down the game and just try to make it ugly basketball where they somehow can get a win. Yeah, this this South region is is pretty tricky. I think I'll give my Final Four just here in a second, but if you're anybody else in the South region. I think you're a big North Carolina fan right now. Like, you you need North Carolina to beat Wisconsin because I I don't know, you know, I don't think Purdue can beat Baylor straight up. I don't think Texas Tech can beat Baylor straight up. Arkansas, Ohio State. I don't think any of those teams are really going to, are equipped to take on Baylor head-to-head. Yeah, Turk, nice job. And, um... But North Carolina with that front court, they can take down Baylor, and then all those teams that I just mentioned have obviously a shot to take down North Carolina. Um, otherwise, if, if North Carolina doesn't beat Baylor, I think Baylor's going to the Final Four. I, I guess that's kind of how it happens. <clears throat> Michael, I've, I've got one more for you here, okay. and this, this will please you greatly. <laughs> you were talking about North Carolina matching up with Baylor, and everybody needs, you know, to, has to have Carolina beat Wisconsin, they can beat Baylor. I'm telling you, if Georgia Tech beats Loyola, they can beat Illinois. They absolutely can beat Illinois. So, you know, if, if they can get past that first game, I would, I would, I would look out for Georgia Tech. Yeah. See, the 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 difference or what worries me there is, I mean, that monster that Illinois has in the middle. I mean, Coburn is, is what, 7'1", 300 pounds. And, you know, Moses Wright's a hell of a damn player, ACC Player of the Year. But, you know, he's he's 6'8", whatever, 220, you know, when he's soaking wet. And it's just, that's a lot for him to handle in the post. It's, it, it's Well, Tech, Tech, Tech plays that zone, man. They play yeah. that freaky zone. So, you know, I'm just saying, I, I really, truly believe uh, that if Tech can get by Loyola, they will beat Illinois. I hope so. Hey, man. Yeah, I hope so. I'll be I'll be decked out in lo- that year. I love the call there on that. I mean, I I could totally see it happening. I just my biggest problem I think with Georgia Tech is I mean, and luckily, or I feel like they've gotten better about it. But in the middle of the year, I just couldn't. I struggled with the consistency yeah. night in, night out. So uh, that would be my biggest concern. But I mean, I I think they have a great. I mean, I I would think of just a one off. That would I, I like their chances to pull an upset there. I, I get it. So uh, the real thing is consistency. Can they get past Loyola? I'm actually I hate to tell you, I'm actually picking Loyola. I, I picked Loyola as well. I, I just I, uh, on a team that plays elite defense, a team that plays really methodically on offense. You know, 
if you would have told me before the season that Jordan Usher was going to be more consistent than Mike DeVoe, I would have laughed you out of the room. But that's kind of what's happened late as the season's gone on. I don't know what's going on with DeVoe, but man, he's been frustrating to watch this year. I don't know if it's because defenses are keying on him more than they have in the past. You know, obviously he's one of the better shooters in the league, but he just, some nights when he struggles, he's, if that first shot doesn't go down, he seems to really struggle on that night. Um, I guess real quick, my final four, and then we'll all make our, uh, our, our championship selections. Then we'll go ahead and put Kobe in the bonus. Um, out of the East, I got Alabama. I think this bracket is set up perfectly for Alabama just to, to traipse through this entire thing. They might get a little bit fetched up when they play uh, Florida State in the Elite Eight. But, you know, I don't think Texas gives them a problem. I think that Maryland's going to beat UConn, but then to trust Mark Turgeon in a second-round game is not something I'm real interested in. I think Alabama comes out of the East. In the Midwest, I actually like Illinois. Um, I think this this bracket's absolutely loaded. I've been a big West Virginia guy all season long. Um, San Diego State at a six. We haven't even talked about them tonight. That's a quality team that, that could knock off West Virginia in the second round. I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be a rock fight in the second round if the Aztecs can get by Syracuse. Uh, criminally underrated Oklahoma State facing criminally overrated Tennessee in the second round. I think Cade Cunningham gets them past there. But ultimately, I think Illinois is going to lead um, you know the Midwest bracket and come out of there and get to the Final Four. I do like – I've been talking myself into North Carolina beating Baylor for the last 24 hours. Um I like the Tar Heels to beat Baylor, um, knock off that number one seed. And then I like Ohio State to, to come out of the South. I just, I'm a huge Liddell fan. Um, I think Colgate's going to knock off Arkansas, which is going to make that road a little bit easier. And then I got Gonzaga basically blowing through the West and ultimately winning the national championship. Um, for those of you who may not have been, may not have seen today, Kansas actually traveled to Indianapolis without Jalen Wilson. So that means that the Jayhawks are now without David McCormick and without David Wilson and without Tristan uh, Enaranu or Enarana. <laughs> what is it? Enaruna, I think is, his, is how you pronounce yeah. his last yeah. name, uh, for this NCAA tournament, at least for the first weekend. So Kansas, Kansas is playing a, a, a live dog in eastern Washington without three of its top nine players. So... Uh, jacket, uh, Jayhawks on serious upset alert. Kobe, we got your final four. Who's your national champion? Uh, I mean, I, look, I've been wanting to fade this all year, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go chalk based on what I said. I, I got Gonzaga Baylor, and uh, and I got Baylor winning it. But nice. um, I, I definitely, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I think I would have not told you that answer. But. Because of the Gonzaga's path, I, I still say Oregon could upset Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Watch out for that game if that happens, if the game even happens. But um, uh, I, I for some reason think everyone's starting to fade Baylor, and I kind of like their their region. Yeah, I, I don't think Ohio State can play with Baylor. I don't either. Um, that's why I'm hoping that North Carolina knocks them off. Or that's why I'm picking that, because I think Ohio State – that, that kind of clears the path for them if North Carolina is able to knock off Baylor. I think the scary part here, and I, look, I faded Wisconsin all year, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it was like when North Carolina added that game against Marquette. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I said, man, you know, I think Marquette was 10-point dogs, and I took Marquette on the money line because I just thought Carolina's guards have been the weakness of this team. Yep. Guard play in the tournament is so important to me. Uh Wisconsin starts five seniors. 
I, I just think that's a, as much as I've faded Wisconsin all year, I think it's a scary matchup for North Carolina. And I, I wouldn't shock me. I, I'm going to take North Carolina on the bracket, I think. But it would not shock <laughs> me if Wisconsin, if, if Wisconsin wins that game. No, me neither. And that's that's the kind of shit that happens to me every year in this tournament is that I try to get fucking cute on projecting what will happen in the second and third round only to have that team that I put so much faith in lose in the first round by 15 points. So, I mean, it's, it's the same with me. I mean, I'm taking UConn to go to the Final Four, and I'm like, man, <laughs> if, if, if they can make the Final Four if they get past Maryland. <laughs> Champ, who's your national champion, man? Well, first I'd like to make a quick comment. Uh, and uh, on something Colby said, because, you know, you know, that is the true gambler's mentality there. When he said everybody's starting to, to get to kind of get away from Baylor, mm-hmm. that's exactly the time that, that somebody, you know, that, that gambles all the time. That's exactly when they jump in there and get on, get on them. So I completely understand that. That's how they build um, castles I, I in the desert, like, right? Well, that's right. You know, and, and so Colby, you know, says, hey, you know, everybody's starting to ease away from Baylor. I think they're going to, you know, slide in there and, and, and get a little action on Baylor. So I like that. Um, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I don't really give a shit who wins it, I'm, but I'm going to just, I'm just going to go with Gonzaga um, and, and figure that they're not going to screw it up this time. Um, they're so good that, hell, I think they can win six games. So I'm going to go with the Zags. All right. Um, Colby, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, if you've listened to the show in the past, we've we've what we do at the end of the show is we call it putting you in the bonus. It's uh, kind of a seven pack of uh, of quick questions where we uh, we kind of let the crowd know you on a personal level as far as you know going past your persona on the college experience on Sports Gambling Podcast Network on on our show, and uh, the chimp's going to give you a seven pack of questions and put you in the bonus if you're all set and ready. Let's do it. Cool. Chimp, it's all yours. All bro. right, Colby, here we go. Question number one. What was your greatest sporting achievement growing up? Ooh, uh, let's go with uh, I, I, uh, I won a championship on every level of basketball that I played on. Nice. That, nice. Started, at, that started at 7 and 8, then went to 9 and 10. Then to thirteen, fourteen, or whatever, and then uh, in, in high school, I got a, a championship. So, but but uh, I guess actually, if I played in a men's league, that didn't happen. So I guess uh, that's inaccurate. <laughs> but as a kid, as a kid, everything was uh, everything was was fine and dandy. I was the Robert Ori of the of the league. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, it's all about winning. All right. Question number two: What is a bigger adrenaline rush? Performing stand-up in front of a packed house or sweating the last leg of an unhedged parlay? <laughs> I, look, I, I'm going to go with the parlay, man. I, like, I, I, like, look, the packed house. I actually think that I think it's 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 more pressure on an empty room where there's three people, right? <laughs> yeah. Because well, you, you, know, you got to make one me- of them laugh. Well, let me let me let me comment on that. I read somewhere where you actually performed for one person one time. Is that true? Oh, man, dude, it's uh, probably probably happened. Uh, if I had to bet, I would say a hundred times. At least <laughs> at least at least five five people or less probably a hundred times in my life. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done it at a donut shop at ten a.m. <laughs> where people were ordering donuts in LA and no one cared. It was like I was on the intercom at Walmart. You know what I mean? It was like, so, uh, I would easily 
I feel like when you get to the improvs and you start doing these these great venues where there's tons of people, that's actually the easier part in my from my experiences. Cool. All right. Question number three: Who is the sexiest female sports broadcaster? <laughs> Woo! Oh man! Oh man! I I got to remember one on the spot here. I. I want to say I, I even have to Google image to make sure I'm knowing the, the, the I'm talking about the right person I think but wasn't it uh, who's the who's the woman who worked for SEC Network L- Laura and then uh, wait what, what about uh, back in the day I feel like what was but wasn't Bonnie Bernstein decent <laughs> Bonnie Bernstein. <laughs> Back in the day, I thought had had something going a little bit. I'm probably forgetting some guys. This is a really bad well, question. Well, right at, there's no, there's Laura no Rutledge. Right yeah, Laura Rutledge. Made Laura, Rutledge answer. Laura Rutledge is a strong, strong answer. But the right answer is Tracy Wolf. <laughs> oh man, okay. give me give me I, I, give me Jenny Dell. Jenny Dell all day long. <laughs> okay. All right. Question number four. What is the worst gambling beat you've ever taken? And tell us the story, please. Oh, man. I mean, I had a bad one uh, yesterday. But uh, the big one to me, I was in the last leg of it, of a parlay. I did an 18 parlay just because I'm that dumb. Uh, <laughs> and it was college football Saturday. And the first seven hit, including wow. the one that I blo- – so I, I, picked, I picked seven teams – and then as the eighth one, I, I randomly just uh, closed my eyes and I circled uh, a team on there. And it was, I think, Georgia Tech and Clemson that played uh, back when they had the triple option. And I think I took Georgia Tech. Uh, but that one hit. So now it's the last game, and it's Kansas and Oklahoma. And Kansas was actually, I know this is going to sound weird, they were decent in football around this time, right? <laughs> and I, I am at my buddy's house, and I, I think I got the game – it's pretty much I'm getting Kansas plus plus 20 and they're down by 14 and and the game is essentially over right like there's literally probably two first downs left and the game is over and my buddy who's with me says you just hit an 18 parlay and right then I go you bastard don't say that don't say that and and sure enough sure enough the next play they throw it was uh they th- it was probably I think like a third and eight, but I'm thinking they're still gonna run. No, they throw a pass and it gets deflected, deflected, and the other receiver, not even uh, who was intended to, catches it and runs 60 yards for a touchdown. Oklahoma wins by 21. I lose by a point. Wow. I I I, st- I still I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes just like why why. <laughs> <laughs> That that's when going seven and one hurts, man. That hurts. Oh, I mean, to my friend to this day, I'm like, I can't watch a game with him. I'm like, don't don't come over. Dude. <laughs> All right, question number five: Who is the most famous person in your phone that would actually pick it up if you called him right now? Uh, it's probably Mike Leach, uh, head yeah. coach of Mississippi State, a friend of He's the a program. Of ours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, either him or Jim McMahon, I would say one of those two are, are in my phone that uh, I think I could probably have a strong chance of them answering as McMahon's a pretty cool down-to-earth dude, and Leach, Leach, uh, Leach is great. I mean, he's, he flew us up to Pullman, essentially let us come to uh, 
to, to a game there and meet everybody. Uh, met Steve Spurrier there, met a bunch of other people. So uh, those two would probably be my selection there. I mean, I think I, I think that's, I think that's everyone else. I mean, I think that's those would be the, 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 the most famous. Mike Leach yeah, is a strong answer. Good. I love the, the podcasts when he's on there are some of my favorites for SGP. Yeah, that's two I, very, very strong answers. Yeah, I think I think who's who do you think's more famous there? Probably Leach now, but McMahon, Leach now, yeah, McMahon yeah. in the yeah back in the day, yeah. But, but all right, cool dudes, by the way. Yeah, but absolutely. All right, question number six. Now, you, if I'm correct, you wrote and starred in a movie called Low Lives. Is this correct? Oh man, it was a it was a pilot for a TV show, and and it was a it ended up being a disaster. But yes, I did write, and someone did give me a a substantial amount of money to do a bad thing. <laughs> right, now, I need now, somebody in my I, life like that. <laughs> here, here's the question. How did you manage to convince Priscilla Barnes of Three's Company fame to appear in it? Uh, the director. The director uh, had a tie in there. Actually, my problem was actually, and I don't mean to burn this guy because he's a dear friend of mine, but... He had never done comedy before, and uh, and he but he was friends with her. He had worked on some type of uh, some type of drama film with her. So after he was after we had the producers down, he said, "Hey, uh, let's get her." And uh, you know that's kind of how it worked out. With that, we actually were gonna get somebody else to play her part. It was actually a last second thing because I want to say uh, who was it? I, I can't remember who they had penciled in, but it was another somewhat somewhat television star but yes uh that was all nothing to do with my talent all right that was uh his connection <laughs> he probably had to buy her lunch or something i don't know well i just i thought that was pretty interesting all right for the last question i'm going to do some uh do a little something different here and just go best ever okay and i'm going to name something and you tell me who is the best ever okay okay let's do it stand up comic george carlin yes my man I love it. Fucking A, man. (laughs) NBA player. Michael Jordan. (laughs) Two for two. Love this guy. That's president. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm going to have to go deep. I'm going to have to go deep because I... I, 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 Give me me Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Best actress. Best looking or just the best actual actress? Yeah, you answered it however you want. <laughs> uh, let's go. Uh, I've always been a Diane Lane fan. Oh, how could you not be? Got two more. Best musician or rock group? Uh, man, I hate to go chalk on you, but I am a Beatles snob, man. Uh, Beatles and Stones, I'm a huge fan of both. But I think at the end of the day, I probably would go Beatles, man. Okay, last one. This will top it off. Best professional wrestler. <laughs> oh, Ric Flair. Come yes, on. That is the right answer. Jet flying. <laughs> you, know, you know. I spent more money on spilt liquor than you make in a year. I got to go with my boy Ric Flair. <laughs> well, that's a good way to close it out, man. Coley, this was awesome. Great job. Hey, thank you for having me, guys, and uh, I'd love to do the show again at any point, man. So, uh, cheers, happy March Madness. Glad we finally get it this year, and uh, and uh, yeah, uh, come uh, 
invite me back and I'll be here, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad we finally got to, uh, to connect. I know we've been talking about it for a while, but, uh, this was the perfect time when we finally get March Madness back. I appreciate you taking the time and absolutely. I look forward to having you on again, man. Thank you. Sounds good, guys. Happy March Madness. Enjoy. Later. That was Colby Dant of Sports Gambling Podcast Network of the College Experience. That guy is a is a straight killer, man. Like I wasn't exaggerating when I say this guy puts out three hour podcasts where he picks every game on a football weekend, every game on a college basketball weekend. The guy is an absolute lunatic. Um, you know the podcast that he does with Sean Green and Ryan Kramer are fantastic. I love sports gambling podcasts, especially during uh, NFL season. And uh, if you know if you guys are, are looking to uh, to backfill some time and uh, gain yourself some knowledge and some you know I've, I've won money with these guys. I actually won a five hundred dollar raffle with these guys a few years ago. It was pretty crazy. And I you know I've also won money with them through their picks. Um, I am terrible at at, at points at, as far as the over and unders. And, you know, these guys give us, you know, give us a lot of good information to help you kind of make the right bets. So absolutely give them a follow. And, you know, the chimp once again surprises me. I I didn't know a lot of that information about Kobe, but uh, that's why the chimp's here. That's why we do in the bonus. And uh, it's always good to get to know your guests a little bit better. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I loved it. I hope you guys enjoy March Madness. I know I will. Um, don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. I always love reading that stuff. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll give you an update on the on the NCAA tournament. We'll give you our thoughts, and I uh, look forward to it. Later.